We get live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Hello from Door County. This is Kyle talking to you all. As you can tell, I am not going to be recording with the guys because I'm going to try and enjoy my New Year's weekend. I hope you all had a fantastic and safe New Year's. Um, I don't know if the Bucks are washed. I was about one half away from declaring them absolutely washed and calling them the Milwaukee Bricks. Instead, there there's some signs of life. The offense still looks like a mess. Um, I don't know if Chris is coming back. I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden we get a notification from Sham saying that Chris Middleton is having surgery on his knee. Um, that's where we're at at this point with him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. This team has not been fun to watch most of the time. Second half against Minnesota is the exception. We're losing to bums like Nick Claxton and Kyrie Irving. And Marcus Smart and a whole franchise and the Bulls. I can't believe the Bucks are losing to these bums. So hopefully this second half against Minnesota made them realize that they need to get their itch together. But if not, it is what it is. And I will talk to you all later. Hello and welcome to the Brew Hoop podcast. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com. That was the voice of Kyle Carr you just heard, bringing it in, ringing in the new year on a positive note saying hello to everyone from Door County sound sounded like a delightful weekend for him and him and his wife. So I'm, I'm glad they could get away, but that means I am still thrilled to be joined in this year of 2023 by Riley Feldman. Riley, how are you? Happy holidays. How are your holidays? Happy holidays back to you. Happy new year. The holidays were good. Uh, my mother came up from the Milwaukee area to spend Christmas with us, uh, my mother and my stepfather. And that was nice. We have, enough space a guest bedroom and we did a nice roast and all sorts of stuff i was the chef in charge and everything came off really nicely which was good and then new year's eve we went to a portuguese spanish italian restaurant that's down the road uh, it's called estelle anybody's in st paul i swear it might be the best restaurant in st paul and we did a nine course meal with a couple of friends of ours and they gave us a round of champagne and coffee cake to take home um, so that was a lot of fun too. So we, I've, I've had a good couple of weeks, uh, unlike the team we'll be discussing shortly. I've had a good couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah. How about you? Oh my God. Well, wait, what, that sounds, that sounds like my dream. The nine course, what was your, what did you have a favorite from the, from the courses? I'm not going to just try and remember the name because I'll just hash it up, but it was this extremely thinly sliced, maybe even like shaved beef that they would sear it and then they would cook it for like an hour or so. And then they put in a Calabrian uh, chili paste along with like some spiced arugula and some other greens. Very simple, but the the beef like literally melted in your mouth. It was <laughs> it was a, a wonderful experience. Everything was really good. There was only one thing that was a little bit of a miss and it was, I think it was almost like Korean inspired. So I was a little confused why it was on the menu, but everything else was really, really good. So uh, highly suggested Estelle. Uh, and we've been there a couple other times. Uh, they have excellent food. So it was, it was a good time. Man, that sounds so good. Uh, okay. My last, my last other question. Uh, do, are you a, are you a one bathroom uh, household? 
we are, yes. Okay, all right. I was just curious. I, I, as From experience as someone who's also had guests stay in town with a single bathroom, uh, I was just curious to hear how, how that Everybody goes. gets a, I hand out passes when people get here and say- <laughs> like at the deli. You, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You either get a number or you have to come to me like I'm the teacher, like you have to get the pass from me <laughs> to use it. <laughs> uh, my holidays were good. I went back to Wisconsin, so I was there for like nine days, which was really nice. Got to- I spent a lot of time with my mom and dad. Uh, my, my wife is from the South and she had never seen temperatures like what we experienced back in the Midwest uh, during the, there for the The cold snap, the really bad cold snap. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of time indoors. She did go outdoors for one, like two minutes after a shower just to see whether her hair would actually freeze. So I was really proud of her uh, for doing that. It was just bitterly cold. I, I know everyone in the Midwest, like, it's awful and I, I get it, but it is really terrible. I mean, going back, it was just like truly abominable because it was, it was cold in Philadelphia, but it was like 14. I mean, it, it was fine. It wasn't that bad compared to what it was back home. Oof. Yeah. The negative thirties. It was like a competition in the chat to be like, how, how cold is your wind chill? Which is some Midwestern <laughs> stuff of, you know, you're just messaging other people like, how cold is it by you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh right. God! And w- just to shout out, also my dad, an avid brew hoop listener. Uh, Christmas Eve morning, he has us. My brother and I get up to help him milk at like five a.m. And uh, he's there's some snow has drifted on the sidewalk, and he's like, "Well, boys, I think we'll be good. I just got to reverse the truck over this drift, and then once we get past the first one, we're good." Drives out, <clears throat> caught right on the drift as we're going out. So we, we we get to spend a good chunk of Christmas Eve morning shoveling our way out. Um, so that. You know what? Th- thanks, Dad, for letting me truly experience what it's like being back in the Midwest working on the farm. So that was that was great. I, I couldn't have asked for a better <laughs> return to home. Very good. Uh, well, speaking of a team that needs to return to their roots in some freaking way, the, the Milwaukee Bucks have now lost. What is it? Five, f- four or five now? Five of six? Mm-hmm. Five of six is what it is, I think, after the uh, the Washington Wizards loss. Normally, you'd hear us going through the last couple games, recapping them generally, but there's too many games, I think, for us to do that this time. And there's just a lot of stuff going on with this team in general since I think we all talked last. They've clearly been falling a bit down a, a hole here. And we, we haven't talked with you, Riley, in like three weeks since Van was on last time. So I, I'm, I'm going, I want to be able to couch this conversation we're going to have that I, is probably pretty critical of the team. I'm going to couch it for myself first by saying I I think the team is still obviously championship contenders. I would not be surprised if they won the championship at the end of the year at all. In this moment, they are clearly scuffling, which obviously I would say makes for better fodder and conversation than what we have normally where there's essentially no drama. There's the team is winning all the time, et cetera. So I'm going to couch this conversation that for myself, any couching you would like to do Riley before we uh, start ripping into it. Yeah, the only thing, so I wrote here a list of complaints, and um, <laughs> my number one, I'm going to couch this because I think this this may be true, and if it's true, it's going to change the whole dynamic of the team, but my number one complaint is Chris Middleton is probably actually dead, and we're just waiting <laughs> to find out, and that that's going to change the calculus for the team. Now, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I agree largely with all your points. It's a, a rough stretch, but... We've missed Chris for forever. He was here for a little bit. Then he had the knee issue. Drew has been out with illness. Even prior to Drew going out with illness, he wasn't playing all that well. But all the tools are still there. If Giannis is on the team, there's still the possibility of 
embossing any sort of playoff series. I agree. Um, this is not coming at it complaining, being like, well, we're on the verge of tanking and needing to blow <laughs> this team up. It, it's not there by any stretch of the imagination, but it, they've played really poorly lately. So we have to be realistic about that, too. So from what you from what you've observed, what what has kind of been sticking out to you as your biggest concern or your biggest gripe? Obviously, you can run through your your list of complaints. Do you want to start with Chris being dead? Yeah, um, and I'm not sure if Suki has the technology to bring it back to life <laughs> or to get us a Robo Chris. Uh, <laughs> um, when is he going to play? And it's a lot of it isn't necessarily like. Obviously, there's no blame because if his wrist, he had surgery, fine, knee trouble, he, he had the strain in the playoffs, and now he's got the soreness in the other knee. All those things kind of just happen. You start wondering, like, okay, well, when's the spate of injuries going to lift? My biggest concern is how long is it going to take for him to get into a rhythm when he's back? Is it going to be 10 games? Is it going to be 15 games? And is he going to then hang on the rest of the season? Or is he going to play six games and then have another issue again? So... Um, Chris is obviously not actually dead, but in terms of being a consistent contributor, somebody that you can rely on on a night to night basis, I'm not sure. I'd have been more sure that he could be that if he hadn't come back, played a couple of games and then had to go out again. That's probably more concerning to me because if it's literally his, I think it's his left knee fan would correct me, but whatever knee is bothering him now, um, if it's just an overcompensating, it's his right. Is his right knee okay? Yep. So if if he's if it's getting tweaked because he's overcompensating for his left knee, which you know obviously had the MCL strain, is that something that'll work itself out over the course of the season, or is that something that's going to continue to flare up as um, he plays, like whenever he plays? So that's just my biggest concern is uh, Chris is not actually dead, but him as a functional player the rest of the way is maybe a little questionable. Um, but the second he plays like 15 games in a row, then we'll, we'll be pretty much good to go. So that's that's my biggest concern right now. So Bucks have played, I'm just trying to think of what their record is so far this year. Or thir- 36 games. We played 36, 36 games, games in. Chris has played, appeared in seven of them. Yep. So, you know, roughly one fifth, one fifth yep. of the game so far. He won't appear at, a, Eric Name tweeted that Mike. Budenholzer said he's not going to appear in either of the back-to-backs on Tuesday or Wednesday this week. So that's another two. I think the, the, the Chris Middleton injury is, I think he can eventually round back into form. I, I, I think they can find some sort of way for him to get his rhythm back or whatever. Obviously he'll be off to a slow start. The most important thing is that he's healthy by April and May and all of that kind of stuff. The thing that I'm kind of interested in, and and maybe this isn't that big of an issue in the front office, maybe they're not thinking that this way at all, is you haven't really seen, even with Joe Joe Ingles is the new new person. So for the most part, you have a lot of carryover from last year, but you haven't really seen this team work together with Joe Ingles. And you, you have proof of what can work basically from last year, and they're probably working off that blueprint. But there's also a lot of unknowns with that. Like the team was good. They... Probably there's a lot of people giving them the assumption that if they had Chris Middleton, they'd beat Boston. Maybe they win the title, all of that kind of stuff. Like we were, we were probably saying a lot of the same stuff, but they're not going to have very much time with Chris back to see what this team is looking like this year. Like a lot of players are a year older. Frankly, there's different rotation players who are in this year. Wes Matthews, who was like your fourth or fifth best player in the Boston series is not really playing at all anymore right now. So I think that's my 
bigger issue is how much time are they going to even have to figure out how Chris looks with Joe Ingles, who looked pretty good against the T-Wolves and then has looked kind of mediocre for all the other games. But theoretically, if he's going to be someone that ever ends up in a closing lineup, you would like to see how he interfaces with Chris. And if they don't feel like there's a good fit or they feel like they need to make a move, the trade deadline's February 9th. It's coming up really quickly. And it feels... I don't know what kind of move the Bucks would make. Maybe they would do the, the Jay Crowder move is the most common one, but they're not going to have much time to try and figure out what it is they need if they think they need something. And with, with, with the viewpoint lens of what, however this team looks this year. The one point on that though, is the guys who we've heard in trade conversations, AKA Grayson Allen, um, we had all of last season to kind of get a vibe for how those guys would work together and Grayson's own specific strengths and weaknesses. Um, those will kind of come into it, but it doesn't sound at all like it'll be Joe Ingles. Well, he'll, he'll not be, he won't be the guy on the way out. And even then, you know, I, I'm trying to think of how big of a role he would play in the postseason. I wouldn't be, I would be concerned in as much as trying to build up a rhythm or if there are a couple of specific lineups, they want to get some evidence on. Yes. Um, but the one, the like the guys that they're contemplating, or the main guy that they would contemplate trading, um, we already have a good amount of info on how those guys play together, at least. So that's the one thing I guess that it's not as concerning to me. It, it me, it would be more so rhythm, figuring out lineups, even at all, just with whoever's on hand, rather than um, I think they have a rough idea for what Joe Ingles will bring to the table at this point. He, he'll get probably a little bit better as he becomes more comfortable, but I think they have a rough idea of what they got on hand here. All right. So what's your second complaint? Um, past two weeks or so, we've had a lot of wear and tear on Giannis and it's not working. <laughs> he's, he's putting up crazy numbers and it's just, we're losing still <laughs> and that's fine and everything. And at the end of the day, a lot of the games, he is the only reason we will have a chance to win most of these games against, especially against other top East teams or just top NBA teams in general. Um, but we talked, I, I want to say like a month ago, you asked me and Kyle, you know, is has Giannis overachieved or underachieved or like overperformed or underperformed based on your expectations. And at the time I said underperformed, even though his numbers looked pretty good. And I think that's kind of continued on the choice choices he's making on the floor questionable. He's not giving as much effort on defense. He's he can still shut anybody down if he puts his mind to it, but I think he's coasting a lot more. And when the shots aren't falling from outside, which is another problem, I think he gets frustrated or he's like, okay, well that's just not working. So I'm going to keep doing my thing. And he's taking like a lot of punishment, the 40 point games are awesome. The 20 rebound games are awesome. He needs to do it for us to be even competitive, but we're doing, we're doing all this and we're losing games. So it's like, here's all this extra workload on Yana's shoulders. He had a busy summer. We played deep into the previous year's playoffs then another playoff run. Then so there's just a lot of wear and tear on Giannis. And so long as Drew is out, especially Drew and Chris, that's going to continue to be the case. And I'm not sure if everybody else around him is good enough to actually translate that into winning. So um, wear and tear, Giannis losing still not great. I mean, this has been pretty well broadcast, but he's at a career high usage, 38.6%, which is wild. I mean, that's the sort of Doncic level. It's Harden Houston level. His previous career high was 2019, 20, 37.5% usage. And if, I mean, if you look at the championship year, he was at 32.5. So you kind of 
you, you, I feel like that's sort of the nice benchmark because he's getting a really high usage. He's making a lot of good stuff happen. The interesting thing about his usage rate this year, though, is he's still at one of his better turnover rates uh, for the whole season, which I, I would say is a little surprising just based on how we feel like the the team has been overall with turnovers. But it's that I mean, that's always good to see. But I, I do think you're right. Like his his true shooting percentage is the lowest it's been since Bud got there. It's at 58.9. Last year it was 63.3. He's clearly struggling immensely from almost anywhere outside of the rim. And I, I think the offense looks as effortful as it's ever looked for him. It, 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 and I think you're right. That is the most frustrating part is to make it feel like, okay, it's mid-December. Giannis is doing this, this much work right now to try and have to scrape by an offense that right now is performing at le- almost close to a league-worst level. That that has to be frustrating and, and a little scary for figuring out what his long term, you know, eventually the end of this season is going to look like and hope he has enough in the gas and tank to be able to still pull it out in the postseason. Giannis is weird, though, too, because he'll spend the whole season working on, OK, I'm, I'm doing like my mid range jumpers or he's like an excellent passer. And then the playoffs come, he's like that's out the window. I'm doing my own thing. And it's like, I'm doing, I'm doing that, the, the old tunes. We're playing the old stuff for this, this run. So, um, you know, I guess he's getting uh, the one, <laughs> if I want to look for the silver lining, we always talk about how Giannis gets gassed or like he puts in so much effort and maybe <laughs> be like doing all this effort to score 40 points consistently is his form of conditioning. Cause there's not really anything to his game that I can see. Like he's working on that. But now I see a turnaround jumper. I'm like, Oh, finally something a little new for him, something that's easier <laughs> for him to do. And then, you know, that should usually be like the other way around. It's like, I stopped shooting mid range jumpers now. So um, the silver lining is, this is the way he's inevitably going to play when the playoffs happen anyhow. So he's getting it used to his his body used to it now if you want but that might be convoluted reasoning on my part so um okay i'm i'm just pulling up some because you also mentioned the thing about Giannis getting frustrating when frustrated when players aren't hitting threes and i they were mentioning that a lot on the latest bucks broadcast so i was curious i pulled up i pulled up the stats here on how shooters are shooting on passes from Giannis from three-point land so who, who do you think has the highest three-point percentage off passes from Giannis? A.J. Green. Oh, you are right. God, you are you are such an A.J. Green stand. He's, he's three I, for four. I finally, I've seen the light. Two weeks ago, I saw the light. <laughs> it, beyond that, though, I mean, so Grayson Allen's looking good. He's at 40%. Beyond that, it's kind of a wasteland. George. So after that, it's Chris Middleton only on 11 attempts, 36 George Hill, 33. Javon Carter, 28% on 25 attempts. Drew Holiday, 27% on 40 attempts. Bobby Portis, 25% on 39 attempts. Pat Connaughton, 22% on 31 passes from Giannis. Brooke, 22% on 27 passes from Giannis. These are these are supposed to be the shots that everyone is making. Like this is why Bud did the offense he the way he did it, where he's like, you stand at a blue box. Our guy is going to battering ram his way down low and he will somehow find you out of the corner of his eye because he knows exactly where you're going to be. People just aren't paying it off right now, which I I think is contributing to him wanting to feel like he needs to force it even more. Yeah, it's not a question of are the guys open enough because inevitably if Giannis makes the choice to pass it out, normally it's because he's 
taken in like three defenders or whatever it is. Like he's back to being very deeply committed in the painter in the mid range and then having defenders all over him. So um, I don't think it's necessarily a matter of them being open, not being open enough. I should say the one thing I would wonder is the past placements. Now I, when you watch the game, you don't really, there's a couple of Aaron passes where guys will have to kind of reach out to grit, get it. So it's not perfectly like in their shooting pocket every single time. And for a guy like Bobby Portis, who despite his much faster shot release that doesn't actually exist, um, he has a very like particular way. Pat's really the only guy that doesn't have too much of a wind up. He can get it from like above his head and get it up. And normally he's okay with that shot. So it, it's just confusing. But, and to be fair, I mean, the team is shooting horribly from three, no matter who's doing the passing. So it's not necessarily just a Giannis problem. Um, but it might be compounded by his passes aren't like right on the money each time, understandably so, because he's usually doing it with a lot of guys on him or at high speed, like he's moving towards the hoop or whatever at high speed. So um, it's one of those things where you just hope the numbers turn around of their own volition eventually. But yes, that's a large reason why it looks ugly right now. All right. What's next on your your complaint list? Um, related to what we were just talking about, nobody has a pulse of their own besides Giannis. Uh, Drew sort of does, but Drew's playing poorly. We Drew was, before he went down with the illness, he was kind of playing like Badger, but within the limits of what we've come to expect from Badger, which is iffy decision-making, shot, shot type selection, or bad passing, kind of forcing it a little bit too much. Um, I look at everybody else these past couple games without Drew and Chris and nobody is capable outside of Giannis of doing anything. Not nobody can Bobby a little bit. He'll show flashes. Grayson can drive. Brooke is not nearly consistent enough in the paints. Uh, he's been okay. I think that's something I've seen a little bit. They've done a lot more work between him, uh, Brooke and Giannis, which is kind of promising, but in like just an isolated possession, Brooke is not, does not have enough like rhythm in the paint to be a consistent guy who can create his own shot there. And you go down the list of literally everybody else. Wes Matthews just doesn't shoot anymore, which is odd. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at least take the threes. Um, Javon Carter creates his own shot, but he's, he's sliding quickly with uh shot selection is bad. And sometimes he'll just take it into the paint and get absolutely <laughs> plastered, <laughs> you know, the decision making. So I just look through everybody else and I think forward to the playoffs and we are inevitably going to go into the doldrums at some point. Like, that's just what we do. The offense already sucks, and we're not even in the playoffs yet. And so who's going to be the fourth, the fifth guy who doesn't have to for a full game, but, like, for a stretch can do something. That can create a little something, do something a little different. Joe Ingles has potential to be that, mostly to create for other guys rather than creating his own shot. But I just am a little concerned that there's literally nobody that can do much. Bobby is okay, but he has defensive liabilities. So you wonder about that matchup, if he can sustain that then in the floor, or if he can score consistently enough. And the double doubles are great, but we've also seen Bobby struggle at times uh, in against the Celtics. He was essentially a donut offensively. And if he's going to be a donut offensively, his value crashes through the floor. Um, so I'm just, I'm worried about that, uh, that nobody else has stepped up at all. Really? Well, I think that's a good. I think that's a good entree into talking at at least a little about the one sort of sign of life we've seen from Joe Ingles so far, which was the the Minnesota game when they 
you reached 10 assists. I was curious how many, I, I couldn't find this. It's too hard, but I was curious how many times a role player has reached 10 assists for the Bucks in the Drew Chris Giannis era era when it's not like a Tim Frazier 53 minute game or whatever, like when he's mm-hmm. actually playing for at least with at least one other member of the big three can't imagine it's that many, but no. he, I, 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 there's, I definitely am not getting carried away uh, with the, with Joe Ingles being the savior, but I have to say it, it was so nice to finally see someone out there in core minutes, just organizing the players being like, okay, no, I'm going to stand here. You stand there. You come up, do this for me. And then you do this. And then I will find you and you will get an easy bucket. You will, you will be able, you don't have to work as hard as you are every single possession. He's organizing the chess pieces in a way that I, I don't think, frankly, we've had almost any point guard be able to do ever. I mean, like Drew, Drew was good, but a lot of times he's like barreling down either to score or he's like then finding like a flip shot or a kick shot out. Like, I thought it was pretty interesting the few times Joe Ingles goes through some awful passes in the fourth quarter of the Timberwolves game. But when he ran the pick and roll with Brooke, part of it is probably timing. But I think the other part of it when Brooke was rolling was he's like, what? I, I, I mean, I'm not used to doing this. I, I normally just like sort of stand there or do nothing or else I'll pop. Like, why, why are you throwing me the ball in a place where I could grab it with a little bit of momentum and then pretty easily pirouette into a shot as a seven foot two guy? Like, that kind of stuff we just don't see super often. And it gave me some bit of encouragement because I'm thinking if there's a late game situation, like if, if Ingles somehow can hold up defensively, right. Drew is going to miss the shot. Most likely. Right. I mean, like he he's hit some huge shots, but I, I I'm not going to say I totally trust him. If the Chris Giannis pick and roll is like, you need a break from it you have someone who can actually do something else. And imagine being able to do that with Chris Middleton spacing as a shooter and how that might free things up even more because someone's probably helping out to Drew. Like just seeing that glimpse of what could be possible with having an actual floor general made me feel a l- much more encouraged about what the fit could be than I, what I was before I had any sort of chance of seeing what was happening. Yeah. Drew is different in so far as the way that he works on offenses. It's space manipulation physically, like his physicality and his speed. He'll either speed it up, slow it down, whatever the dribble to figure out what he's going to do. Um, Ingles doesn't, I mean, he's got one good leg and <laughs> he's almost 40. So like, you know, his options in terms of like manipulating the offense, it does have to be cerebral. It, some of the entry passing like uh, yesterday against the Wizards now, to get literally <laughs> just a horrible I, game. Awful. <laughs> horrible terrible. game. There's just throw the game tape right into the bin and set it on fire. Um, but the possibility of competent entry passing, I mean, you know, that's one of my hobby horses. If someone can entry pass, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> we're cooking with gas. So I, I, I also think there's upside for sure. Um, especially if the three point shot ever finally comes around, he's another guy who's been struggling um, from three. And on defense, you're right that it's like, can he hold up? All my, I'm not going to say all my fears went away, but I saw one possession where he, against in Christmas Day game against Boston, he shoved Giannis out of the way and said, I'm guarding Jason Tatum. And he didn't do a bad job. Now, I wouldn't say we should put Joe Ingles on Jason Tatum the whole game <laughs> during the whole series, but I was like, okay, you know, I mean, he's, he's 
kind of big and bulky. So against the the right matchup, if he's able to position himself well or has help, which he'll have plenty of with Giannis and Brooke out there, it might be okay. It you know there might be guys who beat him to the spot and just get to like a lot of mid range jumpers, which you know it's not the end of the world. But I, I think there is upside for Ingles. The, if he was shooting like decent from three, I literally think nobody would have any complaints. That's just the biggest complaint is like, okay, he's just not making threes. And like a lot of these guys, I just have to assume it'll get better with time. Like eventually they'll snap out of it. So I think the Joe Ingles experiment so far has been mostly a plus. I think it's been good so far. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think defensively it's as good a sign as any that the Wizards game, which I I really wish I wouldn't. I, I didn't even really need to watch it, but uh, I think it was Avdia took a, a, a rip through and got baseline on Joe really easily for a dunk. And I thought, oh, that doesn't, I'm not seeing that routinely. That's something that stands out. I think that's as good a sign as any that Ingles, and he, he did, he looked like okay against Ant. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how it works, but I, I'm a little bullish on what it could look like if we were able to do the sort of small ball lineups where we have the big three plus maybe Pat and Joe. I think that's that has some capabilities to actually add the playmaking that you're talking about. But I mean, circling back to what you all started with, it's totally true. I mean, Gray, Grayson Allen seems like he's just gone back into his turtle shell or whatever from what what whatever he looked like at the beginning of the year, where I thought he was pretty aggressive and was looking looking decent in terms of attacking and getting some some nice finishing up there. I, I'm he doesn't seem to have like this sort of mentality that even like a and Marjon is a little taller but like even Marjon out there when he gets the ball he's gonna sh- like he's pretty he's looking to shoot it quite a bit and I, I think Grayson as someone who's like a 40% three-point shooter I think should be looking to do that more it seems like he, too often now he's looking to like work his game and work on a on a drive like a pump fake and drive and do all that kind of stuff when I mean he should just be granted that kind of stuff can dry up in the playoffs but like be nice to see him just bombing it a little more. But beyond him, I mean, this was the issue we ran into the Celtics series, right? Like, what's Pat going to do? He can cut sometimes. He can get, like, a DHO from Giannis, and maybe he'll get in there. That's something. Wes Matthews doesn't shoot. Javon Carter dribbles a lot, and sometimes he makes, like, one-footed jumpers. But beyond that, we're already basically at the end of what we thought our eight-man rotation might be, and we've run out of people to potentially produce offense. So it, it is, I think it's a very valid concern. I I mean, is there anyone who you think else might grow in or figure some stuff out that you think would be able to, pardon me, to add that? Is this a, is this a joke question? Are you talking about, are you talking about number 13 at the end of the bench? Or <laughs> no, no, I am not talking about him. I'm just genuinely curious. Do you have any sort of level of optimism for anything people, other people have shown? Hmm. For like further growth offensively, not really. I think <laughs> the long pause told me the Mar- answer. Marshawn's yeah, <laughs> been as literally as good, if not better, than I expected on offense. <laughs> I, I can't expect much more than what he's giving. Um, no, not really. Javon had potential, but I think we're over now that we're getting a, a larger sample size. We're starting to figure out his severe limitations as uh, an offensive player. Um, Brooke is already playing quite well offensively for him. So I don't see him taking it up to like another notch. Bobby's the only guy, but Bobby's hot and cold. Uh, And there's nobody on the roster that you like, like, oh, he's going to take like the next step. Either they're too old to take the next step 
or they're kind of already fully formed. Like the, the greatest trick that we have right now is the Grayson Allen drive. And he does it so much that other teams have figured it out. And it's not, I, I'm sure his percentages are still fine, but I don't think it's as much of something that he catches other teams by surprise. Nor does, is he all that competent at passing out of it. That's the other thing. If he could drive, pull defenders, and then relatively easily pass out of it, that'd be one thing. But he doesn't he usually really commits to the shot. So, um, yeah, there's there's nobody on the team right now that I see as, like, he will take the next step forward. Now, it could be as simple as, like, again, Chris being back. But in terms of non-big three, nah, nobody. Okay. What's your? Do you have more complaints? I, I have two more. They're kind of oh, related good. to each other, so okay. I'll just knock them out. <laughs> oh, good. Um, so I'm trying to even read my writing. Okay. We have a good amount of runway still, but it isn't endless. Um, we're almost at the halfway point of the season already. Um, are we going to fall back into the we'll flip a switch thing? Is that our, our approach? Um, and if so, how many games do we need to flip the switch? Like, would we need 20 games at the end of the year of everybody being there? Are we going to get 20 games of everybody being there? And then um, the final thing is our whole thing in the Boonholzer era was we would, we would boss more or less the regular season. And then we, everybody would turn into a pumpkin in the playoffs. What happens if everybody's already a pumpkin and then the clock hits midnight? Do we turn into like mega pumpkins? Like, <laughs> is it possible? Or is this, you know, are we getting it out of the system? Now, again, this conversation is focusing on the past two weeks primarily. I think there have been signs ever since the 9 0 star. We've essentially been a 500 team. There have been other games where it's like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. Um, but I think we need to figure it out eventually. I, we can only say the regular season doesn't matter until we start like, you know, then it's all of a sudden it's March or April. We're like, okay, we're going to, and then we're into like, we'll flip the switch. Yeah. We look crappy right now, but just, just wait, cause it's going to happen. And I'm just not down with that necessarily. So I don't need to see the team win every single game, but I would like to see them play better. Just even for my sanity's sake, entertainment's sake, please. Did you view, so for the flip the switch thing, did you view last year as kind of that we'll flip the switch year? And then we also, that's also a year where we only got what, seven to 10 games maybe of Brooke Lopez. So how, how would you view like what you're talking about? Like what your perception of what we think might this year might to, might need to be versus whatever last year ended up being? It's a good question. It, Brooke, Brooke, I think is actually, I don't know. The offense sucks so bad. I was going to say Brooke is more, I think Brooke is more important than Chris for the regular season. If only because he's the anchor of the defense and we've seen he's rejuvenated what that we're still, in spite of how bad we've been losing, we're still a top five defense, which is amazing. Um, Last year, yeah, I guess it, we're kind of in a very similar vein as last year, um, except now it's Chris instead of Brooke, and we don't know. We Presumably, Chris will come back earlier than Brooke will. Um, so I'm not like, okay, panic time. We're not going to have enough time to figure it out and get into a rhythm. Um, but we, the more we just play lifelessly, I think the harder it'll be to like course correct really quickly. This is like the bubble. The bubble was a lot of different circumstances, but we, we look like crap the entire regular season the final games and then into the playoffs we just looked horrible for the most part and then we got absolutely trounced for our troubles so um I, i'm not in a panic mode it was understandable last year because brooke was gone the question was is, 
the question wasn't necessarily, is everybody else going to be a flip it on? Is Brooke going to be like at enough speed? Everybody's playing so poorly right now that we need like numerous guys. To <laughs> okay. So I, I look at it as a little bit differently. And again, that's recency bias the past two weeks. Um, and maybe we'll just kind of be fine in a month's time. But uh, I think it's a little bit different just because this is more widespread than malaise, I think. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, and also last year, even for, you know, whatever we we thought of them kind of maybe mailing it in at times, they didn't have a they didn't have a losing streak at the length that they did this year. The last one happened during the championship year. And I don't know if they lost five of six or not in any sort of period last year. I kind of I only tracked the losing streaks. The last one was that five game losing streak, which came right before the back to back losses at to Toronto, which was that was quite a low point. Team was at sixteen and thirteen. In that first year with Drew. Flipping the switch and how long do they need to ramp up? I It does kind of feel like, I don't know. It, it, honestly, this year's been really, this has just been a kind of a wonky Bucks year. Because the first, those, those, those first nine games, I think, might probably a little bit of fool's gold for all of us. Like, they, they were awesome, but. Oh, so I should put away my stitch. 2023 NBA <laughs> champion flag that I had. <laughs> I was Betty Ross and uh, I, started I, I think you could probably put away that tattoo design you sent into your designer already. Uh, I mean, I'm not, 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 not insofar as the team is bad. Like just it's, it, it set, it level set expectations. I think at, at, at a pretty high level, maybe something that, that we weren't going to hit yet. If you looked at the point differential for the bucks, for the most part, they haven't even been with the highest, you know, they, they've been in the top five or whatever. And I think if I looked at them now, um, they're still not like looking spectacular in comparison to some years past where they've had them. Like cleaning the glass has them at a, a plus two uh, efficiency differential. And I think that takes out garbage that, yeah, it excludes garbage time. So it doesn't even include that awful Memphis game. And if you look at that, that's, I think around 10th. I mean, it's worse than the Knicks. It's worse than Dallas. It's worse than Philadelphia. It's worse than Brooklyn. Like, you know, if you, the team probably is overperforming some of their win expectations just by a little bit so far. And so what when you see something like that, it's like, okay, well, what are the reasons for that? Well, okay, they probably had a little bit of luck in close games. If you look at the – I think there was the graphic uh, the other night at the Wizards game. How many games have the Bucks played without their big three over the past – Three years. They were 0 and 3 in the first year, 0 and 2 last year, 2 and 1, now 2 and 2 so far this year. So that's another thing. Like, you've missed the big three for almost as many games this year as you did the last two seasons combined. Like, that that's not a great thing. And the fact that you even won either of those games, the Oklahoma City one, like, that's pretty wild that you should have even won that. So you, so you won a few games that maybe you shouldn't have won. Is there enough time? I, I think the, the ramping up period, I don't know. I just have a lot of belief in the team being able to f- to figure it out this may be this may be a good question actually for for what I'm thinking about my biggest concern I really have no I think the thing that has been frustrating the last few weeks has been the defense and if you look at the defense from December 1st on it's still ranked like 11th just and I would say December 1st is when we haven't looked started looking at great it's eight and eight still ranking 11th is pretty good if you look at the offense it's 28th and turnovers, they're second to worst in the league offensively. And Bud's defense never turns the ball over, so you're never going to get easy points on the other end. They're they're like 
dead second to last they're, in terms of like yeah dead last yeah. second to last yeah they're pretty low and if you look at the points off turnovers it's like minus five like opponents are getting from december 1st on 17 points off turnovers bucks are getting like 12 so five points is a lot of points in a for a team that prides itself on winning on all these marginal factors so for me it's always been about the offense this whole year like wait we, the, the open threes are really annoying like all of that kind of stuff can stand out, but if the offense is, doesn't get fixed, like this team isn't going to be any sort of like dynasty. And I hate to use that word, but like they're not going to keep winning titles at the rate we all want if the offense doesn't become the offense that it needs to be. Not only in the playoffs, but like the fact that it's it's normally good in the regular season. The fact that it's this atrocious is is pretty pretty damning. I mean that, that that's like pretty embarrassing for for everyone. If you're going to plan on being literally like, the, what is it now? If you want to be the 20th worst offense in the playoffs and win titles, you have to have not only the best defense, but like a God tier defense. And and we have been good, but I've just, that's hard to sustain against a lot of these teams. It just I, is. I remember I pulled, I think it was last year. I pulled data on what the playoff offense looked like of the last 10 champions. Almost all of them were in top three top four bucks were like the only outlier at like eighth overall in terms of offensive rating. But and this is, this is a testament to them. Their defense is always so good. Even with minus players out there, like even if, even for as, as frustrating as Grayson Allen might've been defensively in the Boston series, the bucks were hellacious defensively, Be- better, better overall, you know, for the most part than, than like, you know, just as good as Boston who were really good themselves. So the defense, I think will figure itself out. The offense is, has been frustrating. They're clearly missing, like they're missing Chris. So I, I, I obviously have to give them like some level of a pass and I totally get it. But I think the thing that you can get frustrated with is that the turnovers are awful. I, I Like that is the thing that has really made these last few weeks infuriating is it's just complete. La- I, I don't know how many times I can see the graphic where it's like first half turnovers, 11 to three. Why? Again, again. Bucks, how does this keep happening to you? It's it's really frustrating. In the game against the against the Nets, we like we get through the second quarter, and I was in the group chat. I was like, okay, nine turnovers wasn't bad. That like we're kind of we're on the we're on the upswing, and they're all kind of stupid too. Uh, yeah, I mean, bad passing. Some of the choices, I'm like, some of it feels a little like they're pressing too much understandably so because literally nobody's scoring so it's like okay i need to try and thread a pass <laughs> to like get a slightly better shot attempt so you understand why it's happening um Giannis is like you said his turnovers numbers aren't up and usually for him it's getting like an off like a charge call like an offensive foul so that's normally his and that's just kind of the way he plays so you understand that um drew's turnover numbers were getting pretty bad javon it just hands the ball to the other team a lot um, <laughs> George Hill doesn't play anymore either. Uh, even before the illness, he's just he's not in the rotation right now, which might just be saving him. But um, and once you get past Drew and uh, George Hill, there's nobody else on the team. Joe Ingles is could be, um, but everybody else is a little dicey with it. Um, so yeah, the turnovers are, are the offense just. It, I don't know what the fix. And maybe it again could be just Chris comes back, Chris and Drew comes back, and it's all good. But then even with all those guys, we've had a god-awful offense every every playoff run, every single playoff run. Um, 
and there's nobody on the team that is going to change that right now. And I'm not, I doubt Jay Crowder is going to be the one that changes that. I think just we're, we have to resign ourselves to being, we're going to be a horrible, horrible offense in the playoffs. Um, so I guess it's good that we're learning to try and win, win with that, that anchor around our neck now. So good, maybe that's Mike Budenholzer's 8D chess move is just we got to figure out how to win shooting 10% from the floor. So that's that's the sick thing about um, sports is defense wins championships, but you do have to score a point every once in a while. You can't, there's no ties in basketball. You need to score points to get the win eventually. And we're just not capable of doing that right now. I mean... It's it's honestly a little bizarre. Like it is. Like, sh- last- it's it's all the three point. Literally, if the three point shooting for even like two guys is at average, <laughs> we should be all right. But we just consistently. I mean, you. I look at the box and we're like, man, we shot like two of twenty five that half. How is that even possible that we missed twenty three three point shots and most of them presumably pretty damn open too? It's very very odd to watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at. Last year, we were top five points per possession. I mean, like 115.6. The turnover percentage was down by, uh, I'm looking at it here, like two two full percentage points. We were 10th last year. We're 22nd this year. I, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's, it's really frustrating. Obviously, we were shooting the three really well last year. I think we were a top five team if, during the regular season shooting the three. This is, I mean... I don't know. I don't. I don't know why it's so frustrating to see the uh, see. I don't know what's going on with the offense. Honestly, that's making it so poorly beyond the missing three point shooting. I think. I think also, like you said, a little bit of his Giannis just isn't hasn't been as good. Like Frank Mann has been tweeting some good stuff about how Giannis can't isn't carrying bench units at all this year, which is normally like you'd have a huge on off for Giannis, and this year it's mostly with Drew. So part of that is people not making three-point shots. But I also think part of that is Giannis having a much higher usage and missing shots, like missing a ton of jumpers. I, I think that's the other part of it. it. And even though he's putting up the gaudy numbers, like that's pretty frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the shocker. The three ball isn't there for him yet. We're still <laughs> still a work in progress. <laughs> the free throw line, it seems like we're on – we're on our ninth different form that he's going with this year, his free throw form. So that's still a work in progress. I think it's mildly improved as of late. Um, and I, I want to go look at his, where he's getting these shots from. Um, so he's taking a little under 50% of his shots from within three feet of the rim and making like 80% of them, which is pretty good. But like everything else from there is <laughs> 30% or sub. And he's still taking like almost over 50% of his shots are coming from all those areas. So like, what are you going to do? If the guy who's taking the most shots and taking him from mid rangers, which I would like him to do now, because maybe it'll be something he can get good at and become reliable. But those are just mostly wasted possessions. So especially because like Brooke doesn't go into the paint. So it's like, nobody's going to get the rebounds. So I don't know, whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, it's fresh. I mean, at the same time, he needs to find the rhythm from there. Otherwise, like they're not gonna. He's not gonna be the same sort of offensive force because they're gonna be flopping in the playoffs. And they're gonna call it. I should so go back to your question about is there anybody on the roster that could take up? Giannis could. He's we've seen overlooking it because he's scoring so many points now, but he's doing it a lot of brute force. Giannis is the one guy that 
on the roster has, I think, still another level that he could potentially get to. It, I doubt it would be sustained. He's not going to transform and all of a sudden, because had that happens, we would be in a different place now after the championship. But I think there's still potential for him to do something a little different just because he's he's at a different level than everybody else on the roster. So whether or not it actually happens, we'll see. But he is one guy that could. And importantly, he's the best player on the team. So. Okay, so I, w- I want to circle back actually to your pumpkin point about what if everyone is are already pumpkins. I think it's an interesting question because I was I was thinking about, well, I mean, and this is total way too far, way extrapolating out from the last two weeks. So once again, if you need to rewind to the beginning when you hear us couching me couching this conversation, like there's a lot there are there could be a lot of pumpkins on the team. They went quite in on continuity and age would it be more beneficial long-term for Giannis's career for if the Bucks underperform a little and we need to the team needs to find a way to pivot pivot how find maybe make like a you know a prominent move with one of the with one of the big three um it I mean his long-term like success horizon. Yeah, I would think so. Um, but that's, that's such a <laughs> radioactive topic. I, don't <laughs> I know who wants to breach that. I know there are some people who are happy to breach that topic, but I'm not sure when I start like actually think about it, I'm like, man. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll put, put that one, put that one back underground. We'll, we'll touch that one at a way later date, but, but it, go extrapolate it on what you mean by the, by the everyone. What if everyone's pumpkins? Uh, them are doomed. That's what that's this is another wasted season. If everyone's pumpkins, we waste another Giannis season. And I'm extremely happy that we got the title and don't take it back whatsoever, obviously. Um he like should have like another two titles when it's all said and done, um, with the level of player he is. And if everyone is pumpkins, um, that's a waste. And like my concern is, yes, maybe this is just an off week uh, or off couple of weeks, um, but you look at this team and the playoffs come around and the pressure goes up on not just the big three, but literally everybody who touches the floor. Like if you're getting into the eight man rotation, you have to be an important player. And for a lot of these guys outside of flashes, they struggle when the pressure goes up. Like when they are asked to in much finer margins execute and we're seeing in a stage now where Chris has been gone for most of the season. And now as of very recently, Drew has been out as well. In theory, everybody else, the pressure is up. Yeah. It's just one of 82. We have a lot of time left, all this sort of stuff, but like you're being given the opportunity to like make a case for yourself for doing something of being, you could do something. And very few people are stepping up to it and it's all good in the regular season when we win 50 games and all three of the big three are out there and the role player guys are smoking guys. And then the playoffs come and the pressure gets up and the defense starts to tighten up or things aren't as open. Things move a little bit, you know, things are happening faster and you can't deliver. Um, it, I don't watch nearly enough other teams to say this is a problem that other teams deal with as well. Uh, but if we're already like seeing pumpkin attitude from a lot of the guys, I'm not going to like then extrapolate forward in the playoffs and say, well, now I can 
that was just whatever. That was just a couple of weeks. Uh, now we're going to be good to go. Maybe we will, but I think the odds would say what we're sh- being shown now is probably more reflective of what these guys will be in the playoffs than what they like some other form of themselves in the future. And do you think that, I mean, I think part of that, I guess I should say, I think part of that probably could be credited to the fact that they looked relatively, we recapped several of these games. Like they faced prominent competition in the Cavaliers, Boston Nets, and they Nets in Boston, they get blown out Cleveland. They're kind of blown out, but they make a late rally. Like, is that one of the reasons why you think that 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 kind of argument is sticking in your head since they faced higher level competition and that kind of stuff happened? What about what about the crappy competition? We literally just got decimated by the Wizards and lost to the Bulls. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't even like those seem like, yes, they shouldn't lose to the Bulls. I guess I, I care more about the games that matter since I, like if I'm. I don't know if I'm Bobby Portis and I, I guess you have some vindictive nature against the wizards, but like if I'm Brooke Lopez and I won a title, I, I can't say like yeah. new year's day. I care about facing the wizards. I, I, I don't know if I could get up for that. Yeah. Well, and then this is like a chicken or the egg. Like, well, did we get absolutely decimated in those games because Chris wasn't there? Is it mm, literally just like yeah. Chris, but even, I mean, we saw uh, Chris wasn't there against the Celtics. Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess what it is is I'm getting hangover vibes from last playoffs where Chris wasn't there and it was just like there's nothing we mm-hmm. have literally nothing and it's hard to figure out the counterfactual because Chris is 31 and he now has some issues with both of his knees and uh, <laughs> what kind of Chris Middleton am I to expect to come back uh, you know maybe he'll be fine. Uh, will he be great? He'll probably be decent uh, to great in certain stretches, but um, you know, against top level competition, guys just really haven't come through at all, and uh, that's hard to do when you're missing one of your star players. But it'd be nice if somebody you know beat the norm and was cool. <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> that's all I'm asking. I'm not asking for literally everyone. I'm not asking for everyone to shoot eighty percent from three against the Celtics on Christmas Day. That would be great. I would just like one guy to have like a really above average game that I didn't expect to have that happen. Just to say I have a pulse against top level competition. So, yeah, I I think that's fair. I was just pulling up on cleaning the glass. What the, because you can filter by like against opponent top 10 differential bucks are seventh in terms of point differential in those games. So they're minus 0.9. They're behind the Lakers, which is kind of weird that the Lakers are at that, but they've, they've played some of the most games against that upper level competition. Uh, They're nine and five in those games. The good news is the defense has been pretty, pretty good in those games. I mean, it's been okay in those games. One twelve point four. That's, that's one of the best among facing the top teams. Offense has been one eleven point six, So it's okay in that, but you know, it's, it's hard. I, I think if there's good, you know, one one good thing that I would say also about this this sort of stretch from December on is some of the defensive strategies, like they're they're not defending quite as well at the rim anymore, but they're still, I looked from December 1st on, they're still only allowing the 12th um, most percentage of shots from three, which I would say is a, a huge win given it's, it, it, it certainly hasn't felt that way when we've been watching these games and we've been seeing some of the blowouts, like it, it has not really felt that way, but I think, cause I, I kind of expected them to come back to earth a little in that regard after their impressive start to the season, but they're 13th in terms of shots at the rim during that same period. So people are getting there a little bit more, but 
I think that's a really positive sign for the defense to hopefully find its way. I, I think Boston, I didn't pay as much attention to the Nets and Cleveland's game because I had some family obligations. But the the Boston series, the Boston game was just like, no crap, they're going to beat us the same way they beat us last year, right? Like we need some, we needed a bigger wing out there. We needed Chris, we needed maybe try and throw out Marjon, give him a chance or whatever. Like there, there's, but all in all, like in the aggregate, there's still a ton of really positive stuff about this team. They're shooting the ball like crap. That's a huge reason why their offense looks terrible right now. Yep. But, you know, ultimately they obviously need some stuff to change because the last few weeks have been pretty disappointing compared to how the season started. And yeah, I mean, as much as I can, say i i understand why maybe they wouldn't care about a new year's day game against the wizards like doesn't make it any more fun for us as fans kind of sucks when they would drop those games it's it's really frustrating for a fan base that's gotten used to a team that i and i think a coaching staff that probably demands a lot more out of them than what we've seen seen right now yeah agreed uh i i agree on your point about the you'll get to the end of the game, we'll lose to the Nets, we'll lose to the Cavs, we'll lose to whoever. And you're like, oh, let's go to the box score. Because normally it'd be like, oh, the other team had an outlier. They hit like 25 of 53s or whatever. And then you go, it's like, well, they didn't really like, really beat us from three. I mean, they probably shot a better percentage than we did, but it's not like they drowned us in threes. And so, yes, that that is, the de- I'm literally not at all concerned about the defense. Like this Boston is the one matchup where you get a little, it gets a little dicey, but uh, I'm literally not at all worried about the defense. So it is good that we're also limiting the threes because it's it's not even so much as the regular season, but how do we put that in place in the playoffs? And do we like go add guys who start getting hot? Are we going to be able to shut them down? Because we've been prone to that where it's just some random ass role player, Al Horford, Grant Williams, whoever gets goes supernova. And we're just like, let them beat us. And then they do, you know, it's like, well, we could probably, if we can start figuring out ways to from one through five, figure out how to kind of shut off attempts. If that's something we want to focus on, that'd be great. The only other question I have for you, this is tied into my other things. Um, are you concerned at all about end of year seating? Uh, I know we're not even to the halfway point yet, but the nets are streaking Celtics, I would say they've they've been iffy as of late, but I'd still say they're probably clearly ahead of us so long as Chris is gone. Everybody else is a little iffy, but um, do you when do you start standings watching? Because I'll tell you this much, I do not trust this team on the road, not even a little bit. Not like <laughs> I want to play as many games at home as possible, and the more we kind of just flail around, the fewer games we're going to get at home in the playoffs. So that that would be my other, but. When do you start kind of paying attention to that? Um, I think post post All Star break is a good time to do it because there's there's around thirty games left, maybe, and then you or sometimes even less than that. And you up to that point, it's like it's so hard. I mean, what was it? Just like, like if we looked at this three weeks ago, like Boston was in the plan or whatever. It's just it can be so volatile from from within a month. So I think at that point. Post All Star break, you have about two months left. I agree, the Bucks should definitely be working to get as many home games as they can. Will they do that? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have some questions about a, that. Yeah. Skepticism abounds for sure. Uh, they definitely need people to stop getting sick from non COVID. That whatever is running through the team, really, I, I hope yeah. everyone is doing okay. That's that's been wiping people out back and forth. But I'd say post All Star break. I think you're right though. They should be looking to try and get to that. But I think more importantly, 
they just need to find some way to be playing well at the end of the season. Like that's 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 what they're going to be working for. I guess that's why they're keeping Chris out as long as they are to make sure he's fully healthy. So, um, but yes, I agree. Getting the number one seed would be a big boon to their chances. Cool. All right, those are all my complaints. Good. It felt good to get that off my chest. Hopefully, that addressed everybody else in the the commentators and the readers. I hope that addressed some of your complaints too, or at least we gave voice to some of them. Yes. If you if you have any further ones. Um, Tweet at Kyle Coche on Twitter, <laughs> and he'll be he'll be more than happy to answer those. You will, uh, yes. All right, let's take a real quick break, Riley. On the other side of this, let's do your fountain pen review, and then predictions will close it out. All right, we are back. Give me your fountain pen review. I'm excited for this. It's it's not a pen this week, so it's a um, journal. Actually, where did I think I put it over here? Didn't even have it at hand, which is hilarious. So um, these past year, I promised myself I wouldn't buy any new journals um, just because I had somebody sitting around. I was like, I got to try and figure out a system. Thing that I did learn is I like soft cover books over hardcover because it's easier to lay flat. Um, And I found out I don't like really big books because it takes me forever to fill in a page. And it's like, okay, five days have passed and I've only filled in two pages, even though (laughs) I write still like a ton. So it's kind of self-defeating. So I went ahead and I purchased a Leuchturm, another one, um, soft cover A5, which is standard size um, notebook. And they had a special deal going on. And this is great and very self-aggrandizing, very self-important. But I had them emboss my name on the front. So it says R. Feldman Journal on it, um, which is not useful to anybody but me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I figured, why not? I'm trying, this will be my, hopefully for at least, you know, a couple months to start the year, a uh, journal. So, um, I just wanted to give it a try, see what it looked like. And so far I've liked it a lot. I am back to standard size for them, which is the right size. It's what I would suggest to everybody. Um, and the paper's great and the inks go great on it. So I've been pleased with uh, the news journal to the collection so far. It's a beautiful, beautiful green. Yes. It's very, it's very buxy almost a little bit when I, when I first saw it, cause they had just come out with a new color scheme, a couple like a month ago and i saw it, i was like i have to get the forest green of course so it was a match made in heaven it was calling to me that's beautiful i i love it and what what's the what is it again the loik term loik term uh soft cover standard notebook all right this has been the the fountain pen journal review i like that one i really like the cover color of that one all right predictions riley three games versus the wizards at the Raptors, oh God, I, honestly, we we need to beat the Raptors for all of our sake. We can't. We the, please. The season might be over if yes. we don't if we don't beat the Raptors. We're we're shutting Brewhoop down if we don't beat the Raptors. All right, and then uh, against the Hornets, what's your prediction? Um, we're on the road for the Raptors game. Um, I think we will go two and one. I think we're going to. Man, this is so tough. I think we'll, I think we're going to lose to the Raptors. It just it feels right, unfortunately. I, because what I imagine is Giannis will play against the Wizards, and then he's not going to play in the second game of the back to back. And then we're just going to lose to the Raptors. So I, I expect that, but I will expect wins against the Wizards and the Hornets to take the sting off a little bit. Just a little bit. Pun intended. I, oh God, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to lose to Nick Nurse. I really don't want to do it, but so you know what? I'm we're not going to. We're going three and zero. Please, I we need to manifest this. Last time, 
I, I was too chicken to say if we were going to go four and zero. We proceeded to go like one and three, I think. So if, uh, I, I'm just going to go optimism this time. We could really all use it, Bucks. Let, let's have Giannis and Drew, who are listed as probable for this Wizards game. Let's have them come back. Let's play in a back to back. Let's do it. As long as there's no long term damage, let's do it. Especially against the Raptors. None of us need to see us get beat by all their long arm people and hear about how good Scotty Barnes is going to be and OG is going to be. And then we'll beat down the Hornets. That that'll be great. I, I'm going three and zero. I want something positive. Good, good. I, I want Giannis to get on the mic after the Raptors game and say, "Masai, I never even <laughs> seen you before." That's why I want to see. I want it to be that kind of victory <laughs> where we can put the Messiah's Giannis's sixth father figure to bed. Finally, that's the kind of victory I hope for. Uh, we can only hope. All right. Well, this has been the Brew Hoop Podcast uh, event session. Hopefully you all are able to get your complaints out as well. I know it's frustrating right now. Hopefully they'll turn it around so we can have some more positivity around the team. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Go to brewhoop.com for all our usual coverage. Riley's uh, Monday morning media roundup will be up every week. My weekly Wednesday wrap up is coming back this week. Vans grades on Friday and then all our usual coverage of games. So share the podcast with your friends. Talk to you again soon.